And welcome to Geektainment Weekly. What's up, Andy? Oh, not much, RD. How how has your week been? You know what? I turned 30 this week, bud. Happy birthday, Mr. Van Hooten. Mm, yeah. He loves it when I call him Van Hooten. Mm-hmm. I love it when you call me Van Hooten. Ah. Mm. Uh, do you live in a hoose or do you live in a house? You Andy? know, I I live I live in a van down by the river. Oh snap. There it is. But yeah, what what a what a wonderful show we have for you today. We have some uh great couple great interviews. Not one, but two. Ooh. Two interviews for you lovely, lovely people out there in Geek Tin, Geek Land. Uh you may be noticing, hey. Where's Ian? Well, I killed him. Mm-hmm. He's dead now. So you're stuck with our DNA. No, Ian's alive and well, and he will be coming in after the first commercial break. But man, oh man, what a week. It what was. a week. It was. It was a good week. It was a very good week. It was a good week. The Deadpool, the new Deadpool trailer came out. Yeah. 380 kick ass. And it's one week. One week until Avengers. Oh, that's right. I am so pumped. I almost forgot about that. I, okay, so here's here's what I've been doing because mm-hmm. I get really excited about like new stuff that's coming out, mm-hmm. and so I decided like everyone's like, "Oh, Avengers is coming out." Avengers. I'm like, until it's like a week out, like I don't want to think about it, right? Because I'm just gonna get super pumped, and it's hard because in this show we like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, but now it's like, all right. I, I'm going to a Thursday night showing in IMAX. It is less than a week for me. I'm friggin' pumped. Yeah, I haven't even gotten my tickets yet. I hope that uh, someone here will be able to... I'm hoping Ian has extra tickets. I'm sure he's already got tickets, so I'm hoping to just slide in on, on his love. Oh. oh, there. It's the ghost of Christmas Ian. The ghost of Christmas Ian who yeah. didn't come in at commercial break. No, I saw that the camera's on RD, so I... Snuck in, but now that but the audio picked up, you dolt. Well, you guys know that we have a door. We do have a door. So anyone listening, there's a door that we walk through. Uh, we could get, have we could have locked studio. him out. That's true. Why didn't we? I don't know. I ask that every week. So we were just talking about how it's less than a week to Avengers, I and I was know. letting RD know that you and I had a conversation the other day. I don't want to think about it until it's like a week out. Mm. Now I can. Next time we are sitting at this table. We're gonna be bitching how shitty that movie I was. I hope not. I hope be... not. I, I I haven't really bitched. I don't think any of the Avengers movies were that shitty. No, Ultron no. Number two kind was of okay. I think my my big issue was with Ultron was at the end they just threw an army of Ultron at him. It's like Ultron could take them all down by himself. That's right. kind of like the threat of the character. Age of Ultron, more like Weekend at Ultrons. Right. <laughs> you know, and so they got the dead Ultron corpse, and they're just walking around. Right. They put sunglasses That's on That's the twist them. that no one knew, is that the right. Ultron was actually just a puppet. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so, and, and and after that, we are going to be entering Phase 4 Yeah, which I'm which, Marvel. Uh, Kevin Feige just came out, um, I think, two days ago. Of and, the closet? And, no, no. Oh. Um, he came out and said that... Um, that X-Men, Fantastic Four, all those characters, they're going to be involved in Phase 4. So I really think some of the six dates that they announced a couple months ago, uh-huh. one of them might be a Fantastic Could Four be. movie. One of them might be an X-Men movie. Could be. Who knows? But the thought of, like, he, his word was he's hoovering up Deadpool, Fantastic Four, X-Men. 
Mm. So hoovering? Well, like sucking him up into continuity. Okay. Yeah. Because oh, like um, I read that first, and I was like, damn, but he's getting rid of Deadpool. And then I read it, and no, he wants to use all of them. So apparently Deadpool will connect. Um, oh, Deadpool thank God. will connect. Now, this is the interesting thing, though, is that apparently um, all of the employees who work on the X-Men films have been mm-hmm. told that last or that Dark Phoenix is the last one in that continuity and that their services won't be needed moving forward. Hmm. You mean you mean and when you say employees, do you mean cast members? I don't know. The mm. thing I read said cast. The, the thing I read said uh, said it was crew. So I don't know. Hmm. Well, I mean, telling crew that is one thing, but telling cast. Yeah, I mean, I, I would totally... have to assume. I would have to assume they're going to start fresh. I mean, you know, the whole thing with like Spider Man, they recast Andrew Garfield, even though he was down to keep playing the role and everything. You know, it's. It's, uh, right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm just super freaking excited because apparently by next year this deal will be done, and apparently it's just a matter of finalizing all the details, and the second they finalize the details, mm-hmm. Kevin Feige has the go-ahead. Yeah. Mm. And here's something that I, I know that RD is going to be down with talking about. Mm. Uh, and, and actually, this morning on one of our sister show, Pop That Culture with Joe and Sarah, they actually talked about Dinklage's role might now, have been revealed. Maybe. But they, um, they did preface it by saying this is just yeah. uh, taking into context what the two words he said, yeah, which the, were. I don't know what the words were, but I do know. Who can, said, can I have your nerd card, please? I know who said the words, mm, though. Right. And that would be um, Ebony Maw. And that when once I heard or that Corvus theory. Glaive. Sorry, Corvus Clave. Right. Corvus Clave. What well, were the words? I, I don't claim to have a nerd card. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I haven't. I don't know. I, I don't know. What's, what did he say? <laughs> I, no, I, he clearly doesn't say Avengers Assemble. What if he says, "Say what the Silver Surfer says"? I farted. No, that's what Cap says. Oh, he said, okay. "I farted." Mm. Hold on, we're gonna we're gonna Google this, but uh, but you know, I, I I think it's really cool that you know that they've kept a lot of the roles secret. Like we still don't know about Hawkeye. Well, we um, do sort of. They said that he's off on his own little thing. Can I just shoot? Sh- I'm going to blast some shots here and just say take, a, take everything that Joe and Sarah say with a grain of salt because they didn't know that the solo movie was. Well, canon. actually, no, we talked about that. Yeah. It was a miss, it was a miswording. Uh, mm, yeah. Of course it was. Yeah. Of course it was. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. My, my money, I mean, the rumor for a long time was that he was Pip the Troll. I thought that was a little too out there for the Avengers. Um, definitely would fit at home in the Guardians movies, but. Um, and then, you know, there was a while that there was a rumor that the Silver Surfer was going to be in the movie. And, and, and there's no reason to, like, even remotely connect the dots together. I just thought right. it would be cool is that if offensive? Peter Dinklage confirmed, if Peter Dinklage was the voice of Silver Surfer. Is that offensive if you cast, like, Peter Dinklage in a role, Pip the Troll? Oh, he plays, like the, not hold really. on, he plays yeah, Tyrion. Yeah, he plays Tyrion. Yeah, but Tyrion's, yeah, okay. They refer to him as, I, I guess they refer to him as a dwarf, but yeah, yeah okay. I understand what Troll's you're, a little different. You're, you're, you're saying, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I... They didn't use any little people for hobbits. Right. Yeah, it's... I mean... <laughs> um, so the new Deadpool True <laughs> trailer came out uh, two days ago, uh, or yesterday, or... Sometime in the yeah, last forty-eight was, hours, and was, holy crap! Yeah, it was great. Yeah, let's um, let's take a look at it real quick, and then um, oh, all right. Well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, holy crap! What a great trailer! Holy 
crap what a great trailer yeah it really is um, a great trailer yeah you get a peek at x-force a little bit mm-hmm. um which is pretty awesome um i'm so excited and then there's peter yeah my, I, new, my new favorite character peter well, who has no superpowers, who has no superpowers but he's he's part of the gang i think he's supposed to be a proxy to hydra bob because they technically while through throwing hydra bob into the first movie right. ran, can't really use hydra bob but didn't he, they kill hydra bob no he knocked him out Oh or, yeah, because remember he, he um, what was the state he mentioned that story? I don't in Kentucky remember. or something. He's like, oh, I haven't seen you since Kentucky. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was so ha- I, I was. Yeah, talking he doesn't to my, kill him. He no, no. When him. I was talking to my buddy though, I was like, if they could somehow get Hydra Bob into this first movie, I'll be ecstatic. I, like I will literally try and high five you in the movie. Yeah, and I did. Because it was awesome. So, uh, backtracking, uh, the line that was in question was, "The end is near." Hmm. And and they're saying, and it's like, it's not like, oh, that's Peter Dinklage. It's people saying it could be Peter Dinklage, it could be Thanos. It, you know, it was just not discernible. But a right. lot of the guesses online are, you know, e- Ebony Maw, yeah, doing that. Or Corvus was it or, Ebony? Ma- was it Ebony Maw or Corvus Glaive? Uh, there's there's actually both. Okay. Like they're they're guesses. So we don't know, but it, it's pretty safe to assume that he's probably going to be on the wrong side. Yeah, you know, he's probably going to be. You know, one of the Black Order with Thanos. Probably. So I heard Mark Hamill might be one of the voices. Oh, well, you know what? That's very fitting because he's just a fantastically talented voice actor. Yeah, he really is. So, you know, I, I think that that is that's probably true. And but but moving back to what you were talking about, Juggernaut. Yes. In um, Deadpool the, 2. There is a rumor for a couple weeks now that Juggernaut was going to pop up in Deadpool 2. Now, in the trailer. There is a shot of Colossus going to punch something with like an arrow attached to his hand or something, and it looks like it could be Juggernaut's helmet because he's not just hitting a wall, right? And it's curved. It, it, it's it's a really quick shot, and you don't see really much of anything. But it would match the rumors that have been going on the last couple of weeks that Juggernaut is in this movie. I mean, hmm. Deadpool stands in its own continuity. Right. He really does. You know, mm-hmm. even in the first one, he points out, he's like, oh, they're taking you to Professor X, McAvoy or Stewart. Like, obviously Deadpool's aware he's a cartoon character and a movie character or whatever. But, right. But that Colossus isn't the main Colossus. I think he's better than the regular Colossus. But... Oh, they made, they made him Russian. Right. And I feel like, I feel like they know at this point they're not, doing any more X-Men films, so I think they might have let the leash off a little bit in terms of... They're like, all right, so we're going to put we're gonna put Juggernaut in it, and then we're going to put Batman in it. We're just we're just pulling out all this that's, stuff. Oh, that's one Send of my, us all the legal ooh, documents. That's one of my favorite lines in the new trailer. Have you watched the trailer yet? I actually have So in the trailer, uh, Cable says something, and he's like, he's like... Why are you so dark? He's like, why are you so dark? Are you part of the DC universe? <laughs> like, it was great. And I, I think that, you know, like, Marvel isn't trying to—this is an opinion. I don't think that Marvel, as a company, is trying to basically say that they're better than DC or anything like that. And I honestly believe that there's probably, like, a decent little, you know, relationship between the two companies. Yeah, no, I mean, right now there's a lot of synergy because of the whole buyout and everything. But you want to watch the Deadpool trailer? I do! We got it. Let's see it! Yeah. And we can chat about it while it's on. Man, I you know, I, I really love Brolin and I love that Brolin is now doing the uh, uh Chris Evans, you know, he's he's two Marvel characters. 
in the, he's one in the Fox universe. And he was almost Batman. Yeah. But it, it's still it's it's absolutely amazing that you know we're we're getting these amazing characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, God, Dude. Wade's face is so messed up. It is just so jacked up. And, See, and Terry Crews. I, I didn't know just, he was in this. Yeah, they the last trailer he was in it for a second. Um, and and I Domino, she's like, she goes, "I'm just lucky." That's her superpower. She's like, "I'm just lucky." <laughs> so he's like, "That's not a superpower." And then that's you not know, a superpower. Yeah, I think that um, you know, uh, I, I did some research once I found out who Terry Crews's character was, mm-hmm. um, and for the life of me, I just can't remember it because my brain is so small. But uh, he, he's a minor character, but but he's it's still it's still a pretty interesting and cool character. So, uh, oh, there, there it is. Are you from the DC universe? Perfect timing. about I don't have one um, I, I just saw the ad you're in <laughs> <laughs> how great does that oh look? my god that's like the best part oh my god <laughs> none you're in and and it's just like you know I was thinking oh it's just a throwaway joke he's like you're in really no I'm just kidding no, no. he's skydiving at the end yeah, I know it's just like holy shit See, I didn't know he was like assembling that whole the whole team and everything. See, I know we we got a glimpse of like the the X Force suit, mm-hmm. you know, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's very possible that that's yeah. what's happening. Yeah, um, I think that uh, you know, yeah, you know, I'm just not gonna try to tr- even fathom what they're gonna do with this movie because I mean, we were all blown away by the first Deadpool, and mm-hmm. I just know, and I mean. The, the the kid from uh, Hunt for the Wilder People is in it, um, and and I love that kid. I can't remember his name. He plays yeah. a character named Ricky Baker, but he, uh, you know, that was a Taika Waititi film. Mm. Um, but he is just fantastic, and he, he plays a little gangster kid in uh, that movie, Hunt for the Wilder People, that gets sent to Sam Neill's house out oh, in, the, right in the bush. Right Out on. in the bush. On the bush. <laughs> and... Um, but yeah, so it's just a really interesting cast, and it's like the only, the only character that could pull this together would be Deadpool. Yeah, and so you know, I think it's just absolutely terrific. Um, I like that the cab driver gets gets still gets you the know, play too. I forget his name, but he gets he gets the good. He's he's still part of the team, man. You know, it, it's like everybody, Wade's cab driver. Every gang. Yeah. Needs a getaway driver. That's true. Every you know, everybody needs you know, like the Green Hornet had uh, Cato. Mm-hmm. You know, so clearly Wade, mm-hmm. being Wade, needs a taxi cab. But in like the new Green Hornet movie, which I actually is a guilty pleasure, the Seth Rogen one. You know, I haven't seen it, you but know, I wanted to. Cato's the badass. In it. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, like I the like that. Super badass. Um, 
And uh, if you remember from the uh, the one of the last episodes of uh, Get It to the Geeks, mm. uh, Jordan interviewed Margaret Cho, right? Um, right. Or Amy Amy Chu. Amy, sorry. Amy, oh my yeah. God, not Margaret Cho. Amy. That would have been cool too. Yeah, would have. But and she's now taken over uh, that book, uh, and and Green Hornet is now a woman, mm. which is Cato's daughter. Oh, perfect. So Cato's daughter takes on the mantle of the Green Hornet, and it's just a really interesting take because, and I like that comics are doing this nowadays. It's like they're they're breaking a lot of the gender stereotypes. Mm-hmm. They are breaking the mold when it comes to ethnicity and things like that. Because like, right. you know, I, I'm a white dude. Mm-hmm. And no. I, oh no, <laughs> and so I will never know what it means to to walk a mile in in a woman's shoes or in somebody else who's a different race's shoes. Mm-hmm. And so it's great that they're getting a voice. Mm-hmm. They're they're actually getting uh, the ability to say like, you know, we can tell interesting stories too. We're and, it, you and know, you're seeing we're, it a lot. we're just people. Yeah, and you're seeing it a lot transferring over to the big screen too. You know, with films like you know wonder woman and uh-huh. then even black panther i mean the female roles in that movie were i mean the female warriors were were where it's at they you, were, you know they were the badasses of that movie like t'challa's sister yeah almost stole the show mm-hmm. from every scene that t'challa was in yeah and and then we saw there's a there's a new clip that was on good morning america from uh from the new avengers movie where she's like scanning vision and she's like questioning mark ruffalo like uh, why didn't you do it this way? And he's like, "Oh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't think about it that way." Right. So, well, we're going to chat more when we get back, and uh, I think we've got some interviews to check out. I believe from C two E two. So we'll see you guys on the other side of this commercial break, right here on Geektainment Weekly. Want to stay informed, entertained, and enlightened? Get connected and stay connected today to New Radio Media. The new Radio Media app is now available for download in the Apple and Google Play Store. Just search for NRM Streams for unlimited access to archived, live, new, exciting, and unique content. Welcome to Geektainment Weekly. All for free. Do it now. Stay connected. And millions of ducks. Two guys go to newradiomedia.com. The Arts and Entertainment Channel on New Radio Media. What's going on in your neighborhood? They say it takes a village. It's the simple things. The things that are a testament to the old. The things that are a testament to the new. Know what's going on in your community. Check out our community channel on newradiomedia.com. It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at newradiomedia.com's Lifestyles channel. 
Hey, welcome back to Geek Team at Weekly on New Radio Media. You are joined by Andy and R.D. Van Houten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back. You know, R.D., Yes, I feel nostalgic at times, don't you? I do. And I'm feeling really nostalgic for a time that we had a little phone interview with a certain man by the name of Walter Jones. Uh, the infamous Black Power Ranger. And first off, before I go any further... The original Black Power Ranger. The original. The original. Well, OG. technically he's the second because the first one was when they had the show in Japan. Well, right, okay. But, in, yeah, in, in, in America. At first, yes. But I'm splitting hairs. Right. But I'm just saying, sometimes mm-hmm. when we come in here and we get to do this stuff, we get to interview people like him... And Rob Paulson, do you ever think like, how the hell is this like our job? Mm-hmm. Like, like we grew up watching these shows, talking, mm-hmm. you know, like and talking to our friends, like at school, like, oh my god, I can't believe what happened on Power Rangers yesterday. Dressing oh, up so like cool. these characters for Halloween, yeah, and on random Wednesdays after school. So and- you you had you dressed up as which ranger? The White Ranger and uh-huh. the Green Ranger. Did you have official costumes? One year I had a, a like an official costume, and then one year I had like the plastic mask. Like See, the... I I had my. And gr- I think actually, my mom the year that I had like the official one, part of it was like handmade by my mom. So embarrassing story time. Uh, well, it's not really embarrassing, but it's like kind of embarrassing on my small nerd mind when I was a child. Mm. Uh, I wanted to be the Red Ranger mm-hmm. so bad for mm-hmm. Halloween one year. So my grandmother's like, I'm going to make you a Red Ranger costume. And I was like, oh, cool. She said, draw me a picture of what it looks like. So I drew the picture. I get the costume. And instead of diamonds on the chest, it's triangles. Oh, boy. And it's because the picture that I drew had triangles, had triangles oh, instead boy. of the diamonds. And I was just like, what, what kind of Power Ranger fan am I? Yeah. You know? There was a lot of hand. I remember there was a lot of uh, handmade Power Ranger costumes when I was in school. When we were in school, if you remember, I do. Those costumes were popular, man. It was like Halloween. Everybody was a Power Ranger. Mm-hmm. You were lucky if you had like the like the dragon dagger or the you know any of the freaking weapons. I know. When we were at. Comic Con C two E two. We were Ian and I were walking around looking for Dragon Day, all this stuff. All yeah. the toys that we used to have are all like hundreds of dollars now. Yeah, I mean, you know, they were like nineteen ninety nine at KB Toys. Now it's like uh two hundred and fifty dollars, please. Yep. Um if you buy two, I'll knock ten dollars off. Yeah. It's just like they're making money hand over fist yeah. and it is just insane. But you know, I I, I, I think back to those times, and it's just like Power Rangers was such an influential time in 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 American culture, really. Mm-hmm. It was, and, a, yeah, it was like Nirvana or something for kids of you know preteen age. Yeah, you know. Um, but it's you know watching Power Rangers, you know, having deaf parents, seeing the episode with the deaf the deaf kid and stuff like that and just just seeing all the the social problems that they were solving, you mm-hmm. know, just in in adolescence lives and stuff and just being an example like a beacon. And for the fact that this show 25 years later is still going, right. still kind of blows me away. And people are still talking about 
how it's influenced their lives and exactly you know that's one thing that we've pulled away being able to talk to walter and we got to speak with david yost david yost yes was and is an absolute gem yep you know uh he's billy the blue ranger because we're because we're gonna only run the david yost interview in just a minute here Mm -hmm. uh but before we do uh David talks a lot about him coming out and 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 being mm-hmm. a homosexual and you know it it was it was just so refreshing to hear like that he had this platform that he struggled mm-hmm. because a lot of kids who are coming out as gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual now. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's still hard for them. Mm-hmm. But in comparison to what he had to deal with... It was a totally and, and, different time. And in comparison to what people in the 50s had to deal with, oh it's God. like we've made such progress. Yeah. So I'm not going to ruin it anymore. I'm going to let you guys see the David Yost interview. Let's check it out. Mm-hmm. Patient and wise, you shall command the powerful Triceratops dinosaur. We are here with David Yost, the original Blue Power Ranger. And David, how are you today? I'm doing really good. Thank you for asking. Good. Being part of this amazing franchise, Power Rangers, something that we've all grown up as children, how has that affected you um, in life? Obviously, it's extremely humbling because uh, when I started the show 25 years ago, I never would have thought that I would have uh, be part of a show that had such a lasting impact on so many mm-hmm. people's lives like you guys. Uh, and here I am 25 years later at a Comic-Con talking to you guys, and I get to meet people every day, and they tell me how Power Rangers influenced them, whether it be if they liked Billy a lot, they became scientists and doctors and teachers and right. went into the military and their techniques and all that. But not only that, like the other characters, people became martial artists and gymnasts and just, uh, you know, the Power Rangers did something for them that made them feel good about themselves and gave them the courage to go out in the world and just really try whatever it is that they wanted to do. Now, Blue Ranger, the weak link of your pathetic team, your time has come. Billy, please, we need you. Zordon said if I face my fear, I can break Rita's spell. Yes! As an actor, starting in a new franchise, what would be like a positive, like one of the positive things, and what was some like adversity you faced? I mean, the positive starting in a franchise, obviously, the best positive is as an actor is just you're a working actor. So that's a huge deal. You know, you move to Los Angeles to become an actor and you get a, a gig. But, you know, it's hard to predict how shows or movies are going to go. So uh, it, it was interesting, I think, for all of us in the original cast because uh, we got to ride the, the wave of fame together because we were all nobody. And then suddenly we're on this, the number one children's show, not only in the United States, but around the world. And so like trying to mentally grasp what that means is like really difficult to do. So uh, we kind of rode that together. So that was sort of fun to to get to experience it. And uh, we did a show at Universal Studios in Los Angeles, uh, which is a big deal. But we were supposed to be in like a little tiny theater and just do one show. And uh, they opened up the park, and within two hours, the park was sold out, and they had to shut down the freeways in Los Angeles because we created such a traffic jam. It was insane. Uh, So we made national news that night. It was like, that's when we finally understood what it meant to be on the number one TV show. Mm -hmm. And then that Christmas, your poor parents were trying to get you guys all the Power Ranger toys. (laughs) And they were fighting with the other parents, and they were sold out. So there was all that mayhem. So... It was neat to, to experience that. In terms of adversity, I don't really want to talk too much about that. I mean, I think as 
a cast member, uh, we all got along great. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what was great about our TV show is that we were promoting teamwork and, uh, you know, just taking care of the environment and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, behind the scenes, for me, yes, there was difficulty that went on later on in life just because I was struggling with being gay. And, you know, in the 90s, that wasn't always the coolest thing. And uh, we've come a long way, and here we are in 2018, and it's more acceptable. And, uh, you know, we're still working on it and trying to make sure that people really uh, accept people. But, you know, we still hear stories about people getting beat up. In other countries, people are still being murdered for, for being gay and stuff like that. So we have a long ways to go. But as an actor, I'm really proud of how far we've come. I really want to ask you about affirmative clothing. Um, I just found out about it not too long ago, actually, and I think it's fantastic. It just, um, what kind of was the impetus to start that? This kind of started off as a joke, really, because, uh, you know, my character, Billy, always used to say the word affirmative because he never wanted to say yes or I agree, whatever. So he'd be like, affirmative. And so it just started off as a joke. Uh, but I just really wanted to make sure, like with my business partners, that we were putting a positive message into the world. And uh, I looked up the word affirmative in the dictionary and affirm and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, okay, well, it makes sense because of everything that I've been through and all the bullying that I've experienced in my life. Uh, so our company motto is embrace who you are, believe in who you are, affirm who you are. And that's affirmative. So, you know, I just really want to make sure that people understand that the first step that we have to do as human beings is embrace who we are, love who we are. And then we have to believe in who we are, like go out in the world and just believe that there's nothing that you can't accomplish. And when we do that, we're affirming who we are. Like, this is who I am. Love it or leave it. Uh, but hopefully you love it and uh, just accept me as I am. A few weeks ago, we had Walter Jones, one of your fellow members, yeah. on our show. And he said that the Mastodon was the most important Zord in the Megazord. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think that would be a weird... That's a weird answer because all he is really is just a shield. Right. So I don't know why he would be the most important. Would you argue that maybe yours is more important? Well, I can argue that mine is definitely crucial and critical and probably extremely important because I'm one of the legs. So if we didn't have me, I don't think the Megazord could stand up. Right. You would definitely topple over. David, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate all you've done, and, and thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to meet all of you, and you guys are great. I faced my fear and overcome it. Blue Ranger is back. And that was really remarkable. Wasn't it? It was so much fun, man. Y you know, and it was it was so cool that, you know, when I was like, so, you know, we talked to Walter Jones, and, and he's like, eh. But, you know, I've seen them in interviews together. They're, they're really good buddies. Mm -hmm. And it's cool. Like, I know him and uh, Amy Jo Johnson are really good friends, too. Mm -hmm. um, they do a lot of videos together and stuff like that. Uh, but so now we have two Power Rangers. Uh, the that, original. Two of the original American Power Rangers. Original have said, have made claims why their Zord is either the most important or why it's crucial. And I, NRD, and on behalf of Ian, who uh, was eaten um, by mm -hmm. a dragon Zord, mm -hmm. want to issue a, you know, a challenge to the rest of the Rangers, mm -hmm. the rest of the original cast, uh, Jason, David, Frank, Amy, Joe Johnson, Austin St. John. We want to know why your... Zord is more important or more crucial than Walter's and David's. So mm -hmm. hit us up at GT Weekly on Twitter, uh, or you know maybe maybe we can get them on the show. Who knows? Yeah. 
shoot us an email at uh, nrmstreaming at gmail.com or info at newradiomedia.com, and uh, we'll, we'll work it out. We're going to figure We're it out. calling you out. Calling you out, Rangers. Anyway, we're going to check out another awesome interview that we had earlier this week aye, 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 aye. with director Christian Gutegast on the other side of this commercial break. Stick around. A study from Johns Hopkins researchers indicates a high-fat diet may lead to the development of new nerve cells in your brain that influence how much you eat. But it's also been known for decades that the brain continues to form new nerve cells well into adulthood. So for now, it appears the process occurs not only in the parts of your brain associated with memory and a sense of smell, but also in the ones that control your various body functions, including hunger and thirst. One researcher believes that your brain functions this way as part of your body's survival mechanism. When food is abundant, it generates cells that will make you eat more and make you store excess calories as fat for use when food is not readily available. But the problem with humans, particularly those in developed countries, is that food is almost always readily available. So the more you eat, the more fat you store, and the greater becomes your appetite. With another Prescription for Your Health, I'm Dr. Jim Bragman. At Murray's Park City, we're known for offering customer service you won't get in any chain store or online. But don't take it from me, just listen to what our customers have to say. The employees at Murray's are knowledgeable, courteous. They make you feel like you're at home. Pick up a can of Seafoam Fuel System Treatment for only $6.99 or a 5-quart container of Mobile One Motor Oil for just $28.95. Murray's Park City and Pontiac Trail at Maple Road in Wald Lake. We've got the parts you need when you need them. And welcome back to Geektainment Weekly. Beep, bop, beep. And we get to talk to some really awesome people on the show, man. Me too. I mean, this has just kind of been a a fun episode where we get to, like, chat with some people. Do a little recapping of, you know, the fun stuff we did. You know, C2E2 was a great time. We got to to really meet and talk to a lot of really great people for a lot of the shows, Mm -hmm. for for three of the shows here on the network. Um, But also earlier this week... We got to talk to director, writer, Christian Gudegast. Christian. And he directed and wrote the new movie Den of Thieves, which comes out on DVD and Blu-ray very soon. I mm-hmm. believe the 27th is, think, is the th- Blu-ray release. I think that's the date. And that was starring you know, Gerard Butler, 50 Cent, mm-hmm. C- Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. <laughs> 50 Cent, Pablo Schreiber. Yeah, you fanboyed over Pablo a bit. Dude, Pablo's the man. He's awesome. C- Christian fanboyed out over Pablo, I know. too. You know? I know. And, you know, like, being being somebody who's aspiring to make, a, make a, a name for himself as a director, hearing his process and hearing how he goes about writing, because, I mean, he's written a... Uh, plethora of movies including mm-hmm. london has fallen mm-hmm. and a man um, apart a man apart with uh, uh, vin, vin diesel vin groot i am groot i am vin diesel i am groot 
But you know, it's just like it's nice to hear that when 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 a uh, filmmaker is just like, you know, I wanna I wanna make sure that the process is as organic as possible. I wanna make sure that this is I'm telling a good story because there's a reason to tell the story, mm-hmm. not because I wanna make some money. Right. You know, I mean, there's so many directors out there that you know uh, that you know will take on a job just to make some explosions and and get a check, mm-hmm. but. This guy, like who I'd never spoke to before, that I knew very little about before, mm-hmm. I instantly became a fan of. Yeah, and just he was just so like himself. Well, you know what? Without any further ado, why don't we check out that interview? Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Um, everywhere, all the gyms were always in in Watts and South Central, and then down near the Port of LA, like in Torrance and the South Bay, um, and. Through both of those worlds, uh, I got to know a lot of cops, um, and a lot of them became, you know, over time, very, very good friends of mine. So, and at the same time, I got, I knew a lot of gangsters, mm-hmm. um, and the thing I was always fascinated by was that, you know, at these gyms, they would all sort of congregate, and even though they're on opposite sides, they would all hang out and be friends and know each other. And so, the reality of that of that world of law enforcement is that it's it's a symbiotic relationship. It's all, it's like a business mm-hmm. and it's like, they're all part of a business and one doesn't exist without the other. They know each other. They, they went to the same high schools. They, they root for the same teams. They've banged the same girls. They yeah. go to the same strip bars. They mm-hmm. eat at the same restaurants. And so there's actually kind of, um, a respect there, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they, you know, and they kind of like walk and talk the same and they have a very similar vibe, ironically. Um, I think what it kind of comes down to, if if you had to sort of point to a difference in, in growing up, it's the cops had strong male figures in their life, and the gangsters didn't. Um, that's kind of the way it shakes out. If I had to like pinpoint something, that's interesting. But um, that that's always kind of interested me. It's sort of that sort of that similarity and those those subtle things sort of divide them. Uh, and then with Europe, um, it was just through law enforcement contacts of mine and friends of mine in Europe. And I, whenever I write anything, whenever I go into the research phase, um, I always seek out, I, I don't just sort of like watch a documentary about the subject matter or read a book or whatever. I, I actually seek out the people in the world itself mm-hmm. um, to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to sort of, it's a, it's a world immersion kind of thing. Like I can't, I'm really bad at making anything up. Like when I write, like I can't make anything up. Like yeah. if I don't know it, and know that it existed. I literally can't write it. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, you know, a make-believe kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to know it actually, what it actually physically is. I like to see it, smell it, feel it, you know, and then I can, then I can write it. Um, so the same goes here with Den of Thieves too. You know, it's, it's. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, in, in that world with those people, and so I, I know that I can speak to it um, with some authority, and um, that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, I mean. I, I love that you're talking about the writing aspect of it because I remember the first time I saw this trailer, uh, the biggest thing that excited me about this movie is uh, the black hats are like the white hats in the movie. You know, you're the that we're right. following this group of thieves, this den of thieves, if you will, um, and and the good guys are still the good guys, but you know, but they're kind of the antagonist in the story yeah. a little bit. How, how did that, how, how did that affect your writing? And like, was there a different kind of process that you had to go through uh, a different lens you had to look through with that? Um, 
kind of. I mean, uh, what it is is I basically sort of whenever you're writing a character, you kind of have like a positive or negative charge for them. You know, like mm-hmm. what, what they, you know, what their energy is. And like for this, it was just everybody's the same. Like it, it, I'm not everybody's good, everybody's bad, everybody's just a human being. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I never looked at Big Nick of the guys as good guys or bad guys and the other way around. I was just basically trying to understand and sympathize with everybody, right? And sort of understand everybody's motivation. Um, and, you know, with Big Nick and, and the regulator crew, you know, those, you know, the, the reality is cops at that level, like, they're bad motherfuckers, you mm-hmm. know, and they have to be because, you know, they're dealing with the worst of the worst. And, um, you know, they can't pussyfoot around. I mean, in, in these days, law enforcement, all our institutions are being attacked so much from all law enforcement to mm-hmm. FBI. I mean, it's crazy. But, like, you know, they they exist for a reason, you know. And, yes, there have been gross uh, uh, abuses on behalf of law enforcement in their course. But at the same time, what, do you want a bunch of pussies running around? No. That's very you know? true. That's and, very true. You know, and, and you don't want that, trust me. And, like, you know, it's uh, you want them to be badasses, you know, when, when, when the time comes and, uh, and we need it. And, and the, the reality is, is those cops, there's not the ones that cause the problems. It's the cops that have never gotten in a street fight before who don't train enough at the range with their firearm and who are scared shitless when they pull somebody over. They're the ones that create a problem. It's the alphas like these guys, mm-hmm. they'll never have a problem with these guys. You know, they're, they're never going to they're never going to hurt somebody or, or uh, you know, uh, wrongfully ever, you know, because they're not they, they know how to operate in the street. Um, and when you hang out with with these dudes, they're all they're all a little bit larger than life. They're all funny. You know, they're cool. They're they're fucking wild, but they're intimidating because they, they have to be. That's their currency. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's, um, you know, if. If those if the criminals smell weakness, dude, they're gonna pounce all over you. Like they're only gonna respect you if, if they know, dude, that guy knows what's up, man. That guy's no joke. Right. You know, they, they gotta respect you, and if they do, then it sort of you know kind of starts leveling the playing field. Yeah, that's really fascinating. That's like a whole dynamic of stuff I've never really delved into and thought about. So that's that's that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, and Ian Ian and I are, yeah. are both aspiring filmmakers, and so. Uh, that that concept of uh, you know just the writing process, mm-hmm. um, we have we have a general understanding of that. But like I said, once I saw that trailer, I was like, you know, holy shit! Like like you said, everybody right. is the same, and you treated it as more yeah. of a human story rather than good guys versus bad guys. Yeah, and, and what what that really comes down comes from is like again. When you're writing a story, like there, there, there's a point where you're like, God, what would that character do? Like, yeah, I gotta figure, I gotta think about, it. like, what well, I have to make something up. Like, what would he say? What would he do? As opposed to, you know, you know what? I'm gonna go meet that guy. I'm gonna talk to him, and I'm gonna ask what he would do, and then he'll tell me, and that's what it's gonna be. And so when you do that, it just becomes real. Like, truth is always stranger than fiction. Not mm-hmm. sometimes, always. Yeah. It's not only stranger than fiction; it's always more fascinating than fiction. It, it just is. And when you do the homework, you realize, oh, my God, like this is so much better than anything I could have ever come up with ever, you know. And it's just it's just like collecting more and more of that and stacking it up until your character is flushed out. You know, that's really what that's really what the process was throughout the, the whole movie. 
we need more directors like you. Yeah, right. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, you watch a movie and you just like, ah, oh, the director was just in it for the cash. And it's just like, you know, the way you're describing your process and everything is just absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to hear is different screenwriters and different directors go through uh-huh. their process. Because it's one of those things where it's, there's many ways to do it wrong, but there's so many more ways to do it right. You know, and it's a very much a, an opinion-based right, right. job. And I love, love listening to the different varying, like, views that people, you know, look at when they're approaching something like this. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then the, and the, the other thing is the actors react to that, too, because we have the real guys there. So literally from, like, when we're, when we're costuming them up and we're get, getting their gear, we had the actual – even the gangsters on the other side, we had the, the guys right there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like those shoes. Let's try that. We try ten pairs of shoes on. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, those are the shoes. You know, mm-hmm. those are the pants. That's the shirt. That's how you walk. That's how you talk. And so it gives a comfort level to the actor because they, you know, they can, they just they know what they're doing isn't bullshit. You know, and they're and they're sort of given a roadmap. They're like they're they're mimicking behavior. You know, and it just they they all eat it up. You know, and it just makes everybody very comfortable in what they're doing. Now, uh, I noticed that you were uh, a writer on uh, uh, London Has Fallen, um, and, you know, that has, obviously, Gerard Butler. Do you ha- did you have a relationship with him before Den of Thieves, like, through through that movie? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've had impressed with Jerry for a while. We, we did, um, I've done several, you know, develop, I mean, the whole game in Hollywood is, you know, is, you know, development, which is kind of a pain in the ass, but mm-hmm. it's just the nature of the beat. You know, you're, you're, most things are never are never made. You know what I mean? So the majority. Um, so I developed several things, written several things with Jerry in the past at various studios. So I've had a long relationship with him, and he and I have become like brothers. And he's um, he's a, uh, a spectacular dude, and um, he's cool as fuck, and he's crazy smart. And I, you know, he hasn't. Um, He's got so much more in him than, than than you've seen, and I think we saw a lot of that in Den. Um, he just got like any actors when you find success, you kind of get caught in a rut of playing certain characters and being in certain kinds of movies. And but that doesn't mean that they have, you know, talents and abilities that are far beyond that. You know, mm-hmm. so in yeah, Den was, we sort uh, of start, started exploring that. He was fantastic um, in Coriolanus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was great. He was great at that. He was he was great at that. He was great at three hundred and. Um, but uh, in Den of Thieves 2, we're going to be able to, we're excited to sort of explore Big Nick even further, you know. For sure. And, I mean, the rest of the cast, even in Den of Thieves, I mean, Pablo Schreiber, he's absolutely phenomenal. And, he's you know. a beast. He's yeah. a beast. The guy is, he is crazy talented. He's super smart, yep. super disciplined actor. Um, I, I, I'm going to be working with him, you know, quite a bit over the years. I mean, he's just, um, he's a beast, man. He really is. For sure, and and also working with you know Fifty Cent. I mean, he's even got his own bit of acting chops too. Yeah, know? yeah, very much so. You know, I've I've got such. A, I'm doing another project with him right now on a TV thing. I've got nothing but massive respect and love for him. The guy works his ass off, mm-hmm. um, and you know he's you know he's been he's been acting out for a little while. But he's a little bit newer to the game, but he's right. but look, man, do not that guy. That guy will have success in whatever he does because he's, it's all heart and hard work. And that guy, um, he's an animal. And, um, and he's and lived he it too. all in on, on this. And he's lived that What's life that? too. He's lived it too. The street well, that, life. Well, that's why, yeah. that's why we, we, we cast him because, right. I mean, he is 
the real deal, dude. Mm-hmm. And you know, in that that character Ensign that he plays is is had to have that. He had to just be kind of quiet, but just exuded just lethality without doing anything. And and that's what Curtis is. And Curtis makes himself very nice and presentable, you know, because for you know business purposes. And but the reality is is that dude's a bad motherfucker, you know. Oh yeah. Um, and and he when he when he gets quiet and kind of gets into that mode, it just drips off of him, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Christian, uh, to all of our listeners, please check out den of thieves. Uh, just, just get your, get your eyeballs on this movie. It is terrific. And obviously made with a lot of attention. Thank you again, Christian, for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks guys. Have a good day. Yep. Take care. Bye. See ya. And we will be back on the other side with Geek Tame It Weekly. Want to stay informed, entertained, and enlightened? Get connected and stay connected today to New Radio Media. The New Radio Media app is now available for download in the Apple and Google Play Store. Just search for NRM Streams for unlimited access to archived, live, new, exciting, and unique content. Welcome to Geek Tame It Weekly. All for free. Do it now. Stay connected. Guys, wait up. Hold on. Daddy said hold on. You know, I was thinking, Bill. Yeah. I'm ready for our show, and and you're ready for Mm -hmm. the show, but how do we let everyone know that we're ready for the show? Uh, Slow motion rap video? Surfing the internet can be good for your brain, especially if you're getting up there in years. UCLA scientists say that the internet searching helps to stimulate your brain function by triggering centers in your brain that control decision making and complex reasoning. In a study to be published in the American Journal of Geriatric Psychiatry, the researchers say that using the internet to seek out new information might stimulate the brain enough to sustain brain health and your cognitive ability. Before the computer age, the one activity that was linked to an active mind was solving crossword puzzles. The fact that even simple tasks like searching the internet might enhance your brain circuitry suggests that our brains are really sensitive to mental exercise and actually continue to learn as we grow older. So using an internet search engine such as Google produces the same brain activities as reading, but it also increases activity in areas of your brain that control decision making and complex reasoning. With another prescription for your health, I'm Dr. Jim Bragman. And welcome back to Geek Tainment Weekly, right here on New Radio Media. Damn, I am still super excited for Infinity War. Dang, you know what? I am too. I'm glad you brought it up. I really am. You know, we chatted a little bit about it, but I'm fucking excited for it. You know what? Let's do something. Yeah. Obviously, somebody is going to be either fairly incapacitated, Mm -hmm. die, or walk away. Or, yep. Mm-hmm. Let's, we don't have, to, I want to put a bet on that, just a nice friendly wager, mm-hmm. just like for lunch or something, mm-hmm. but like, deal. who, but you don't have to say like how they're going to leave, but who is gone? I'm going to say Banner. Banner. Yeah. yeah. Do you have an explanation why you think that? I'm just curious. Well, f- first of all, I would say a lot of studio conflict issues. 
right one with, with the, the with the Paramount. Paramount owns that. And then yeah. what more could they really do with that character that they haven't done in the movies already and Thor Ragnarok and things like that? I know I feel like it's going to be one of the originals. Right. So it's they I'm could, putting my money on Banner. They could do maybe like like when in the in in cuz technically what they did with Thor Ragnarok Hulk is supposed to get these nanobots injected into him, and he gets like super smart or smart mm. enough to talk like fluently. And they kind of hit on that a little bit that he was able to talk better. So I don't know, maybe a smart. There, there is a smart version of a Hulk. There is a gray mm. Hulk, and there's the red there's the Hulk. Asian Hulk. Ugh, Asian Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know what? I'm team. I'm team Tony all the way. Mm-hmm. I'm still stuck on this Captain America thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think like, you know, they're saying that Chris Evans is like talking about walking mm. away and they're thinking that, oh, Marvel's trying to fake us out. And what if their their fake out is by actually saying what they're going to do? Right. So and the fact that in the Infinity Wars four or uh, Avengers four, we see Cap suited up on set with his original Avengers outfit. So mm. some people are like, oh, maybe Tony's using that machine to, that he used in uh, Age of Ultron mm. to work through his problems. Interesting stuff like that. So you're betting on Cap? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take Cap. I'm mm. gonna take I'm gonna that say was, Cap's going away. That was my original thought for pretty much a while until uh-huh. uh, I had this conversation earlier in the week with someone mm. with people amongst the office, and I got convinced on Banner. So Spe- we'll see. And speaking of people in the office, mm-hmm. you know, people in the internet. We've got a lot of great content on New Radio Media. Mm. We've got a lot of great shows. And the first thing that I want to talk about, I want to talk about a little event that's happening tomorrow at 10 a.m. Yeah. Record Store Day. I think it starts at 8, though. Doesn't it? 10. They'll be there at 8. We're streaming live 10 a.m. So check back newradiomedia.com and log into our live streamer and yep. check it out. Yep. And if you want to go and meet some of the gang and crew, the new Radio Media crew in person, that's at Tracks and Wax. That's T R A X N W A X in St. Clair Shores. Mm-hmm. And that's our record store day. Motor City Juke Joint's going to be there. That's right. Ian, Geek Tainment Weekly's own Ian Benzman's going right. to do some jamming out himself. If that monster regurgitates him. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because he's been eaten. Yeah. Was it a monster or was it Ivan Ooze? Ooh. Mm. The Ooze is back. He faked me out one time. He's like, did you know that, that Dennis Hopper played Ivan Ooze? I was like, no shit. And he's like, yeah, right. And I totally fell for it. What a, what a putz. I'll use his word. What a putz. Well, you know what else I want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the fucking awesome fan art that you've been getting for Podquesters. You know, it's been really cool. Uh, the past few days we've been getting some fan art submissions yeah. uh, through Twitter. That's exciting. And I like that. Today, 7 o'clock tonight, a new episode of Podquesters comes out, mm-hmm. uh, available on the NRM Streams app with mm-hmm. a Z, our website, or iTunes if you want to listen to it on the go. Yeah. Um, and but if you are artistically talented and you want to submit some fan art, we would love to have it. But you know, speaking of art, mm. there's another show that wants submissions of art, mm. and that is Creative Kaleidoscope, mm-hmm. that's which that, that that comes out on Sunday, doesn't it? It does. Oh, thank you. Yes, it does. So Creative Kaleidoscope will be airing Sunday, this mm-hmm. Sunday at six. We've got episode six coming out. A uh, couple interviews from C2E2, some more C2E2 content, and uh, 
I get familiar with an airbrush. He does. And it's really cool because, like, so I, I'm i not really one of those guys that gets on YouTube and watches, like, a one-camera thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you were, you were pitching me the concept, I was like, who's going to watch, you know, a painting segment for the whole time? And then, like, I watched it down, and I was like, I'm fucking wrong. This is interesting as hell. That's cool, right? And That's like fun. coming as an artist, I was like, yeah, why why wouldn't I find this interesting? And especially you're you're doing a new format of airbrushing mm-hmm. than you've done before. Yeah. And like so people heard about this and like, oh, I hope he does this kind of format and this. So yeah. I mean, who knows what the future holds, but it's like, you know switching it up a little bit. Been using the aerosol cans mm-hmm. for the first few episodes and you know what? I set up stuff in the the basement studio mm-hmm. and we're going to do a little airbrushing. You know, we love our fans. We love mm-hmm. our community. Um, you know, Metro Detroit, but even even further beyond. Like I said, you have any any concept art, any kind of cool things that you want to showcase that you've done for the show, we will proudly display it. And and you know what? We we just we welcome it. So, yep. send it. Send it to Send us. it to the New Radio Media Facebook. Send it to Podquester's Facebook, Creative Kaleidoscope's Facebook. On the Twitter. On, on the, Twitter. Uh, tie it to a raven. Maybe yep. maybe give it to a turtle. Maybe feed it to the wizard Usador. And fax then, it in. There you go. You just, know. just do it It's up. a fax. It's a fax. What? What is this fax? Yeah. I've never heard of this fax mach- machine. They go, they go through a phone line. Oh, mm. Mm. yeah. You probably ask a kid nowadays, like, "Hey, uh, can you send a fax?" They'll be like, "Oh, what's a fax? What the fuck's a fax?" Oh my gosh, a few X's, uh, and that's how we end the episode. Beautiful talking about fax machines. All right, you guys, make sure you head out to Record Store Day at Tracks and Wax. If you're not going to be able to make it, tune in live at 10 a.m. right here on New Radio Media. But we will see you same time, same place, right here on Geek Tainment Weekly. Have a good one. See ya. Peace.